Welcome to Wall Builders. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, and I'm here with David Barton and Tim Barton. David's America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders. Tim Barton, of course, national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. You can learn more about all of us at wallbuilders.com. All right, guys, later in the program, we got Christian Bentley going to be with us. We're going to be talking about the libraries in schools and how to identify and get rid of the junk, the nasty poison that they've been uh, literally putting in elementary schools even, let alone middle schools and high schools. And, of course, people are hearing about this because of the drag queen story hours and other things like that. But at the public schools, you really do have to learn how to do this effectively, be able to go to the school boards, all of those things. And Christian's been doing this uh, very effectively, and she's going to talk to us about how you can audit those school libraries and get rid of these explicit books. Yeah, this has really been a big issue in the last couple of years. You know, we saw kind of the school board thing come to public life with Loudoun County and Fairfax County about three, three and a half years ago. And as parents have started digging into what was going on and, and finding their kids with the gender stuff, et cetera, they got into libraries as well. And I think the library thing now may be two, two and a half years of really being a really hot issue. And so in that period of time uh, with, with wall builders and what we do with legislators, we've seen a number of states focus on libraries, focus on library content, focus on trying to get age-appropriate stuff in the libraries. Um, it's, it's been really bad, the stuff that has been in there, but parents have started looking to see what's there. Well, and one of the challenges too is even navigating that thought of what is age appropriate. What does that actually mean? Because you you have a school board that when a parent comes and they'll read content from one of these uh, approved books in the library, right? Approved for that age. It's, it's approved for middle school and they start reading it. And you have the school board saying, ah, oh, it's not appropriate. You can't read that here. One of the challenges is in this moral relativism of the culture we are living in, when you don't have an absolute standard of right and wrong, when you don't have an absolute standard of morality or even the idea of what human sexuality is and when it's appropriate to discuss that or not discuss it and what is the role of the school, what's the role of the parent, it becomes very murky lines. And so one of the bigger battles I think we're seeing is of how we are determining what is age appropriate as, as we still live in this crazy upside down world where teachers are saying that if if some kid in elementary school right third or fourth grade wants to come to school and they want to change their gender they're going to help provide them with clothes and they'll call them by a different name and different pronouns and they won't let their parent know but if this kid has a headache and needs to take some medicine they got to call the parent before we can do something as drastic as giving this kid something that might help a headache or whatever the case might be this is the upside down world we are living in and this is where I think one of the reasons that that we so often at Wall Builders will point people back to the Bible. Why, why does it matter so much? Why do the founding fathers rely on the Bible more than any other source? When you study their writings, no, no source was more heavily relied upon or more heavily quoted than the Bible because this was the foundation of morality for the founding fathers. Where, where they had so many disagreements. John Adams wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson, I believe it was 1813, where he said the general principles upon which the fathers achieved independence, they were the general principles of Christianity. It was a common ground they found to come together. And as we're trying to navigate in culture, well, how are we going to determine right and wrong? What standard are we going to use? And I understand saying that the Bible should be our absolute standard. I believe that is correct. I also get that that's going to be a tough conversation going to a school board and saying, we're going to we're gonna follow the standards of the Bible. I think we have to be strategic in how we have that conversation. 
but I would challenge anybody, you will not find a better moral teacher than Jesus or better moral teachings than those found in the gospels. And if we're trying to determine standards of right and wrong, there is no better standard than the Bible. And part of this, Tim, as you said, the, the Bible is our standard. And this really illustrates a very clear worldview conflict over this issue. One of the things I was very surprised to learn maybe five, six years ago when queer studies was a big thing and it was all over the college campuses is what they're teaching on that side is that you are a sexual being from the time you are born. From the time you are one minute old, you are a sexual being and that's what drives your life. And so for them, sex is the only thing that drives you. And therefore, we need to be teaching about it when you're in K4, K5, K6. We need to be showing all, all, all the stuff that goes with sexuality. And that's a whole different worldview from what we've got, that, that children are innocent, there is age-appropriate stuff. And that's part of the conflict we see is a conflict between worldviews, quite frankly. And also worth noting that a lot of that ideology was taught and promoted by Alfred Kinsey. And Alfred yeah. Kinsey's research was what people used to say, see, this is what we know. But for anybody that's paid attention, Alfred Kinsey did his research with prostitutes and sexual predators. So it wasn't like he was studying normal Americans, seeing what is the, the normal sexual behavior of a, a well-grounded uh, moral person. He literally was taking his, his measurements from prostitutes and sexual predators, from pedophiles, and saying, well, here's the way people operate sexually. That is totally incorrect. And yet, that is still the basis for what so much of this conversation is. And Dad, as you mentioned, because that is the basis of a worldview. Now, as we are saying all of this, the good news is there are people who have found ways to go into school libraries and review the books that are there, identify where the problem books are that are clearly crossing sexual boundary lines that should not be crossed, certainly not at these young ages and definitely not by a school. And if if you are a parent going, man, I want to make a difference. What can I do? This is a great conversation for you to listen to, to, to hear some ideas of how can you get involved? What can you do? How, how can you take a stand to make sure we are protecting the innocence of some of these kids? Kristen, as she covers this, she's covering specifically, there was a law recently passed in Texas that very specifically gave parents all sorts of tools that they can use in this area because we've got lots of fights in Texas. So while she's talking about a Texas-specific law, what is in that law is also available to every parent, even if you haven't passed this law, because it's based on legal standings, legal standards. So she talks about the provisions of that law. Understand that this applies to everybody. This is something everybody can take and do in their school districts. They have the, the legal capability. We've been winning cases on this. Our side has. We have the legal capability to do the things that are embodied in that Texas law. But Texas has done a great job in, in stepping up front and giving parents terrific tools to stop this nonsense. Christian Billy, our special guest. Stay with us, folks. You're listening to Wall Builders. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. In the early 1700s, the Reverend John Wise preached that all men were created equal, that taxation without representation was tyranny, and that God's preferred form of government was the consent of the governed all of which is language recognizable in the Declaration of Independence. Why? Because in 1772, the Sons of Liberty, led by founders such as Sam Adams and John Hancock, reprinted and distributed the Reverend Wise's sermons. So four years later, much of the Declaration reflected the language of those sermons by John Wise. 
1926, on the 150th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, President Calvin Coolidge affirmed, the thoughts in the Declaration can very largely be traced back to what John Wise was saying. Few today know that the Declaration was so strongly influenced by the Reverend John Wise. For more information on this and other stories, go to wallbuilders.com. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here on Wall Builders. Kristen Bentley's with us, and she is waging a, I would say, holy war, and it's a, it's a absolutely a righteous war uh, to clean up our school libraries. And she started here in Texas, but now people all over the country are following suit. Kristen, thanks for what you're doing, and thanks for uh, keeping us updated here on Wall Builders. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much, and um, it's great to be on the show. Well, you got uh, very fired up about this, thankfully, and uh, you've awakened a lot of folks, and now you're teaching others how to get rid of these uh, pornographic books and sexualizing books uh, that are literally targeted at kids. And uh, we started hearing a little bit about this. We've seen, you know, in social media, the viral videos where parents are getting up and reading this stuff at school board meetings and literally kicked out of the meetings for reading what they're allowing the kids to read. Uh, It's just crazy. Uh, But it's actually awakened a lot of people. So that's really my first question for you. Uh, You've kind of, for a little while, you've probably felt like you were out there on your own shouting in the wilderness. Are you starting to feel like people are rallying uh, to the call? Yes, I would say, um, you know, I started on this uh, probably about two years ago when um, when we started to see parents across the country show up at school board meetings reading from the books. And, and I tell you what, I live in a very conservative Christian area of the state, and uh, I, I went ahead and audited the school library where my son was attending Uh, public high school, and I was shocked by what I found. I couldn't believe that my Christian conservative community um, had some of the worst books that we find in in schools right here, you know, in in Tyler, Texas. And so um, I did at that time, you know, um, it was a lot harder to audit books because we didn't really have a curated list of books. We didn't have resources. Um, and so we, so I had to, it, it took a lot longer, frankly, and, and, um, but two years into this at the state level in Texas, we've made a lot of gains, um, but it's an issue that is not going away. And so we see, um, it seems like every month across the state and across the country at school board meetings, this is an issue that is coming up. And so, um, and it's important and, and it's engaging a lot of parents and and grandparents too and even just community members you know people that don't have children yet they care about this issue yeah because it's the kids the kids at that local school that are going to be the leaders of their community and going to influence what's going on in their in their community in the coming years as well what why christian is it is it that people other than the school employees or the school board um have to have to have to be willing to step up and volunteer uh, to do this like why aren't they doing their job and why can't you just go to the school board and say hey get rid of the bad books like i mean you're literally having to show them which ones to get rid of yeah i you know it's interesting because i think um we see different actions at different you know in different school boards or areas um, I will tell you, in Tyler, Texas, our school board, our superintendent, they were they were really wonderful, and it really didn't take much pressure to get them to um, remove books that were sexually explicit and pervasively vulgar and just unsuitable for students. But it's not necessarily what we see in most school districts, including in Texas and um, across the country, and and we're not seeing them 
overall be proactive. A lot of times I think that um, they just don't, you know, in our smaller school districts, our more rural areas, they just don't think that it's a problem there. They don't, they haven't really looked into it. They just, they just kind of like me when I started looking into my school, my son's school district, I didn't think I was going to find anything. Um, And then what we also see too is that they are really afraid of being sued. They don't think that they have the right or the ability to remove books. And that is just simply not true. Talk, talk about the legislative power behind this as well because the you know the legislature finally woke up to this and 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 what is uh hb 900 and 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 this toolkit that that you use well hb 900 is the bill that passed in the 88th legislative session the regular session in texas and what it does is it uh mandates uh new standards for texas libraries and or school libraries uh, so we didn't have any sort of mandated standards before this for Texas school libraries. And so that was one of the really significant parts of the bill. And what it does is it prohibits sexually explicit materials um, essentially from being in the school library. And it also makes it very clear that books that are pervasively vulgar and educationally unsuitable should also not be in there. Um, and so there's also an enforcement mechanism in the bill that um, requires that vendors rate books and that if they are caught selling books that are rated sexually explicit, that they lose their contracts to sell books to Texas schools. And so, it took, you know, the, the Heritage Foundation came out at the end of the legislative session and called it model legislation for the rest of the country. And so we hope that other states will follow suit. It's one of those bills that um, that you know only a large state really could have could have done it. Um, and so we hope that other states will follow follow through. But what I did is I created a toolkit, an HB 900 toolkit. And there are um, in the toolkit there are things that are specific to HB 900, but it can absolutely be used for auditing across the country, whether you have a state law that's prohibiting these books, um, you know, now, or if that's something that it, in the state that y'all are working on. And this is a toolkit that can be used now in every single state to get books removed locally at the local level. I, I love the fact there's actually teeth there. I mean, if you can hurt their pocketbook and prevent them from being able to sell uh, to schools, that's that's the key, and uh, and, and yeah. it's w- way better than just being able to talk about it, man. It makes some uh, it makes a response. So uh, that's very. I can see why Heritage would say it's a it's a model for the rest of the nation. So to our listeners outside of Texas, what a g- great project for you to get on, not only for your local school, but to talk to your legislator about getting this passed in in uh, in your state as well. And Kristen, best website for folks to learn more about this is that the Substack at uh, Protect Childhood. Yes, it is. But if you just type in protectchildhood.org, that will take you to the Substack. And the Substack has everything on there that you need for learning how to audit. It's really, um, in most school districts across the country, it's very easy to audit the school library because their library catalogs are typically online and accessible to the public. And so there's a document on there that shows you how to do that or tells you how to do it. And then there's also a link on protectchildhood.org that will take you to a list of books that I have curated that are uh, meet that standard of sexually explicit, pervasively vulgar, and educationally unsuitable. And that and are likely to be found. Like those are the ones that are common to be found, so you can zero in and find those quickly. I bet. 
Yes, and I would say um, some more so than others, but but yes, those are books that are commonly found. I will tell you, I'm doing these workshops across the state of Texas right now. Would love to extend them online to other states um, and plan to do that. But I I would say in rural districts, we tend to find on average about 75 to 80 books that are on that list in the high schools. And then um, in some of our you know smaller cities and larger cities, upwards of 300. Wow. wow. 300 books. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and mostly we find them in our, in our high schools, middle schools, we'll find, we'll usually find um, a handful and then, but even sometimes in our elementary schools. All I can think is mama bear. I'm telling you, this is incredible that you, that you did all this in the last two years and, and you got all these people that are out there paid to you know, be involved in kind of uh, th- this kind of stuff. And uh, it's champs like you that, that that are making a big difference. So, Christian, we're so thankful for you. And and I hope people go check it out today. And then, that's right, protectchildhood.org. So you don't have to remember, protectchildhood.substack.com. That's too long. Protectchildhood.org will take you right there. And you can get those tools and also just keep up on what's going on out there. Uh, it's uh, the Reader Act Toolkit. And, um, and and do you know yet, Kristen? Are there any states that you're aware of that have started to model it, or are you know leading the way on this as well? I haven't heard other states that are um, that are modeling after the Reader Act quite yet. Um, I know that there are other states that are trying to address this problem. Arkansas, you know, they they tried to address it in their legislative session. Uh, Kentucky. Utah, there there are a lot of states I know that are that are trying to tackle this, and and I would just say to you, know that you can tackle this at the local level. Although the state has a compelling interest to protect children from sexualization, and we want to see these mandated standards, and um, this is an issue that you can take up locally with your school boards, and and really demand that they remove sexually explicit content from their school libraries. Uh, and if they don't, that you will remove them. Um, I like that. You know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I like that we said, yes, remove this or we remove you. <laughs> That's exactly right. I, I think you probably found this, Kristen. You know, I think the reason the left had so much success over the last few decades in infiltrating the schools and getting this kind of junk in there, and it's not just this, it's the Marxism, it's everything, is because very few people, it's not that they had the majority, it was, you know, very few people can make a huge difference because most people aren't involved. And, and they just are tireless. And they did that for decades, scratching and claw and taking over uh, this area of the culture. And what you have probably found is that even as an individual and, and people you've trained and that you talk to all the time in their community, one person can make a difference on, on this issue. And, and just imagine if you, you know, rally a couple other people from your church or from your family or community or whatever, just a handful of people can make a massive difference on something like this. Have you found that to be true both for you personally and the people that you're talking to? Oh, 100%. I mean, it really does just take one person to get the ball rolling and a handful of other people to start following. One of the things that I did during the legislative session is uh, in Texas is I did a filthy book campaign where I sent legislators one example of a filthy book every single day, a book report. And that was really important because one of the things that we know is that the other side tries to paint a narrative that we are trying to ban books that relate to, um, oh, color, diversity, um, that we're trying to ban books like To Kill a Mockingbird. Well, that is, there is nothing further from the truth. And what happens is when we educate people on what is actually in these books, most 
reasonable people, they are appalled by it. And so that only takes one person to do uh, that kind of campaign. But what we find is when one person stands up, others are always ready to follow and lend their support. Amen. And so it's amazing what we can do and what m- moms and, and grandparents and, you know, dads can do it. it and especially at the local ish, at the local level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Love it. This is uh, this is how the system is supposed to work. Uh, it, But, it, you know, again, we sat on the sidelines for too long. Allow this to happen. We're turning that around. This is a good news program that uh, folks should be excited about to know you can make a difference. Uh, Kristen, thanks for setting the example, uh, for getting the word out there, for equipping people, because that's that's the big deal. A lot of people are like, yeah, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do or I'm, I don't want to have to, you know, figure this out myself. I mean, you basically are handing people an instruction manual on uh, on how to do this and we'd love to see this happen in every single community every single school district so thanks for leading the way appreciate you very much and thanks for coming on wall builders today oh you're so welcome thank you for having me and thank you for all that you do love it that's Kristen bentley stay with us folks we'll be right back with david and tim barton friends, this is Tim Barton of Wall Builders. This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even Hebrews of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, to the book of Hebrews, it has the Faith Hall of Fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. And this collection includes people like Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman. Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read. And it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com. We're back on Wobblers. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks to Christian Bentley for joining us as well. Hopefully, Dave and Tim, this will be one that a lot of our listeners can actually take action on. I know sometimes we talk about things that are happening in Congress or somewhere that maybe they don't feel like they have a lot of impact on that. This is one of those local issues that anyone and everyone uh, can be a part of the solution. Yeah, this is a really big one. And she has some things that really need to be driven home because she pointed out she's in a very conservative rural area of Texas. And that conservative area, and and she talked about the fact that they're finding in these conservative rural areas, 75 to 100 of these bad books, really uh, queer study kind of books for kids, as opposed to 300 in larger cities. But let's go back to that that rural thing for a while, because even Texas is going through five right now, school choice, and we can't get our rural legislators to really want to support school choice because they say, hey, the the schools in the rural communities, they're fine. It's okay. Let me just point out that in Texas, in the rural communities, 81% of citizens vote for Republicans and conservatives in the rural communities. But in the rural communities of the teachers, when teachers give to political parties, 92% of the teachers who give in the rural communities give to Democrats. So you may think you're in a rural community with 81% of people voting conservative, but the teachers are not necessarily there. It doesn't mean every teacher is bad, but this is why even the rural districts are going to have this kind of bad stuff going on. Well, and it's worth learning. When, when you look at some of what's happening, uh, uh, it's very easy for parents to think, hey, this is a problem, but I know other parents, they're active, they're involved. 
And it's easy to think somebody else is going to take the leadership role on this. And unfortunately, what happens is oftentimes it drops the cracks. I was in South Texas just a couple weeks ago with a congressman. He was doing an event down there. I was down with a congressman. There was uh, some pastors meetings down there. And he was explaining to the pastors that the the district where his son goes to school, again, a rural district, and, and he's friends, this congressman is friends with the leadership of that school. And those are the principal for years, decades. And it was talking to the principal or just getting to know the teachers and it's the beginning of the school year. And this congressman decided he would just go to the library and he wasn't going to go through and read all the books that were there. He thought, I'm just going to go see what's on the end cap. What books are they highlighting? And some of the books that were being highlighted in his rural county, where it's at least 80% that are Christian and conservative in his rural county, the books on the end caps that were being highlighted by the librarian were some of these books that were encouraging this really overt sexual behavior and a, a sexual lifestyle that is very much in conflict with the biblical morals that most of these parents want their kids to learn. And so he just took some pictures of it, went and showed the principal, said, hey, what are we doing? The principal said, man, I had no idea those books were in our library. I, I don't know why they're on the end caps, but the point is, the congressman told the pastors, he said, to me, it's crazy that I flew back from Washington, D.C. to take my son to school to go meet his teachers and that I was the one flying in from Washington, D.C. that had to go to the library and had to go bring attention of these books to the principal. He said, I would have thought that all of these parents could have done this or some of these local pastors could. And this is where we would just encourage you, don't think that somebody else can solve this problem when the reality is, God might be calling you to get involved and be the solution in your local area. Wilson said there on the website, she's got a list of these books and also what you can do to find them in your libraries. A lot of libraries are online and it just takes somebody shining a flashlight on this, bring it to light. Once it comes to light, communities don't support this. That's why we're seeing a change all over the nation. And so what Kristen has done is really a good service for all of us, making this available so that we can all make a difference. And Tim, as you said, Every single one of us needs to do this in our own community. All right, folks, out of time for today. Thanks so much for joining us on Wall Builders today. Be sure and check out again the website, wallbuilders.com. Lots of great tools available for you there, but also the great place to make a contribution, make an investment in freedom by donating today to Wall Builders. It allows us not only to do the radio program, reach more people with these truths every day, but also to equip and train pastors and legislators and teachers and young people, all the different things we're doing Thanks for being a part of it. Make that donation today at wallbuilders.com. Thanks so much for listening to Wallbuilders. We stand undivided forever. Young.